Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, speech, 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 speech. That's for your Arrested Development tense. Um, my life is Zoom meetings, Father Harrison. I don't know how much longer I can do this. Please tell me. So, so a, a lot of, a lot of, so today from 12 o'clock till basically right now, we're recording at um, 6 p.m. Uh, I've been in different meetings. Now, one technically wasn't a Zoom meeting. It was like a Microsoft something meeting. Two of them were diocesan meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was I'm on a board for a nonprofit and I was in that meeting. And uh, now I guess this is kind of a meeting. Like, this is way more fun than a meeting. But, but, but here I am once again, seeing people in little boxes on my screen and and normally normally it was just like once a week or once every other week where i would see a little person on my screen and it'd be father harrison but now it was everyone everyone lives in boxes on my screen i live in a box on my screen this is my life now it sounds a little square yeah <laughs> but um terrible jokes aside let me tell you a, 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 a one of the one of the neater meetings so Friends of mine were just really concerned that they could not baptize their kid, right? It was, because you never know with like newborns, infants, it can cause a lot of anxiety in the parents, and which is understandable. And who knows how long we're all going to be locked down. And so they asked me, you know, like, should we should we baptize our kid? I said, in my opinion, this is a time that is an emergency. Um, baptism is really important. If you want to do this, I think you can. And I suggest recording it, and, you know, writing it down and recording it on a video. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think this is the right thing for you guys to do. So we had all gathered for this Zoom meeting for this baptism. So it was it was myself, the godparents, uh, like the mom and dad um, of the couple and everything. And it was funny because the, the parents, they were like, they got all dressed up for it, which I thought was nice. And the baby was in the um, baptismal gown and everything. And uh, they had me start off with a prayer. And then uh, he did, uh, the father did a reading uh, from the Gospels and then, you know, did the formula, pour the water. And uh, we ended in a prayer. And it was... It was, it was really beautiful. It was a little bit sad, but it was also very joyful. Like it was mm-hmm. all these things at once. Yeah. Because we're all gathered together um, via this weird medium of, of video chat. And there was a lot of love, you know, just because his family and friends gathered together. We were really happy for the baby. But it's also like sad that we couldn't do it the way we, you know, would have preferred to do it. But also how wonderful that you know, this child received basically, you know, eternal life and original sin wiped away and the Holy Spirit set up, you know, in this baby's soul and everything. And it was wonderful at the same time and a relief to the parents. So it was this crazy, super weird, but beautiful, but a little bit sad moment. And so that was the, probably the best Zoom meeting I've been a part of. But the second best, quick. and this is a close second. Okay. This is a close second. Before before you go it, can I ask you one quick question? So is the yes, idea then you'll just apply the rest of the rich rights after when things get back to normal-ish? Yeah, I've got yeah. that question because, yes. like, you wouldn't do the uh, anointing of the catechumen. Right. And would you do the, the chrism? Yes. You would? Yeah, I would. Yeah, just right so you can supply it in case of when baptisms are done like that. And then that I way the it gets registered yeah. in the book of the parish. Right, right. So, uh, good. I'll tell them that. Because it's all about the paperwork, Father Anthony. It's it all... is about okay, quick the paperwork. Actually, well, quick, quick question. 
How many stacks of paper did you make the couple fill out? I made them fill out none. So I'm <laughs> I'm totally involved in this as a friend. This is gotcha. not I'm my parish. You. This is not. I was like, yeah, like, I'm just telling you my opinion about things. <laughs> you know, I just kidding. Um, I just kidding. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Your second best. Your second best Zoom meeting. Okay. Okay. So um, my bishop wanted to have a a conference call with all the people on all the parish finance councils and parish councils in our diocese. Right. And one of the priests was like, how about we do a Zoom meeting? Can we please do something like, can we get with the times a little bit and do a Zoom meeting? And Bishop's like, oh, okay, can we do that? And our tech guy was like, yeah, we can do that, no problem. So this Zoom meeting had 850 plus people on it. And so I log in on my computer. Some people just called in because you can call into a Zoom meeting. You can do that? But, yeah. You can either call in or, or log in you know, via Amazing. your computer thing. And because I'm not an insane person, I turned my video off, right? There's 850 people here. I'm going to be busy doing other things as I listen in on this, you know. Um, but but most people didn't turn their video off. And most people seemingly did not know that you could just watch other people on this video. So you've got a lot of, you know, uh, more senior parishioners, you know, uh, wiser, more experienced parishioners, you know. And sometimes with a, a, a wiser, more experienced in life person, you can't tell if the look on their face is just their age or they're really cranky. And it could have been either, but who knows? So there's a lot of that going on. There was Whoops one dude is to who say. had... Who is to say? Whom's is to say? Um, which is fine. It's fine. It's, it, they figure this out. That's beautiful, wonderful. But like some people like obviously had their iPhone on their belly the entire time. <laughs> Other people were eating food. This one guy, I saw him chug a whole glass of milk on the Skype on the Zoom call. He just just downed a whole glass of milk, Literally. and somebody else had like their little baby with them, and I was just playing with the baby the entire time. And it was just these weird little windows in people's lives. Some people were just doing office work. Other people were just staring at the thing. But the thing is, anyone at any time, any of these 850 people had the option to unmute themselves. Any of these people had the option to screen share with the other 850 people. Now, nothing major happened. A few people accidentally turned off their mute and you heard like it's just some rumblings or whatever. Cletus, just... get the milk out of the fridge. <laughs> exactly. It could have been that, you know. <laughs> and I was just so on edge because anyone could have totally sabotaged this meeting and ruined it. And so I was super excited the entire time. But you know what? Everyone was well behaved, more or less. Things went well. It was kind of nice, but my goodness, the adrenaline of just knowing that anyone could like start yelling at the bishop at any moment. Anyone could start screen sharing whatever video game they were playing while they were listening to this at any moment was so the adrenaline was pumping through my veins and it was the best Zoom meeting. Meh, second best next to the baptism that I've ever been in. The end. That's that's my tale. <laughs> Amazing amazing uh wow that's amazing it is. huh cool do you want to introduce the podcast oh yeah <laughs> i'm just i have no comment because it's so amazing and i my my one of my parishioners who's a doctor is texting me at this at this as we're recording okay so, go ahead and introduce <laughs> okay I think, welcome to clerically speaking i'm father anthony i'm father harrison all right. Why is a doctor text, text, texting you? Do you Why? do you have do you have the Rona? What's going on, buddy? I don't. Uh, so well. <laughs> um, so on Tuesday, 
so I'll get to get a, let's I'll get a uh, I'm gonna get a little serious I guess now okay uh, I, tweet, I tweeted a little bit about this um, sure so on Tuesday I got the call that I you know you're you're kind of like you're just kind of mentally preparing yourself for someone's dying they need anointing of the sick in a care home right and everything's on lockdown in Canada too with regards to like in my province at least with regards to care homes and stuff like this so we call the care home to see can I come in like because some of them just won't let you in right right yeah. um they said oh yeah no no I, this is actually where it's really helpful because all these care homes in town I say mass at them once a month not right now obviously but usually I say mass at them once a month so they all know who I am yeah which is helpful I think um there's an established rapport with the staff anyways um so I go so I go there and you know you're just kind of like you're a little nervous yeah man right he's in an isolation room now this this place doesn't have COVID-19 or anything like that but at the same time as we know this thing can be um hidden for a while and so you and social distancing doesn't exist in a care home Mm -hmm. it can't I mean it can't it's just not possible right but I mean they're very good they come in they 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 take my temperature to make sure I don't have a fever, ask me some questions before I'm able to go visit anyone. And they give me gloves and a mask and a, a gown to put over my clothes right away. And I go into his room. I'm the only person there. Um, um, I'm the only person there because they can't, they won't let the family in to be with him in his, and he's dying. Like they, they said he's going to die in the next hour or two, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I go in, I anoint. And uh, I realized that I already realized some things after this that I need to put, I need to make get the shortest form of the anointing prayer onto a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know the prayer for the anointing of the six, but there's some other stuff in the right and the apostolic pardon. I right, don't I don't yeah. have the apostolic pardon memorized. Um, so get on a piece of paper so that I can just throw it out afterwards because I use my phone, so I wipe down my phone with alcohol um, mm-hmm. stuff with hand sanitizer afterwards. So I take out the mask, but like it's weird because like he's dying from complications from RSV, which is like a a, f- a flu that can affect the lungs. So there's a similarity there, and I'm I'm getting out of it afterwards. I'm like, I didn't have anything to cover my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not good. And I get home and I just get out and I throw the stuff in the bags. I wipe down my hands like crazy. I get home. I take my shoes off. Leave them downstairs. And I throw my clothes into the wash right away. Because, I mean, you just don't know, right? You want to take every precaution right now. And I jump straight in the shower. And um, about two hours later, the family member who called me initially called me back and said, like, in tears. In tears. Not because their loved one passed away. But because I was willing to risk my life to go anoint them. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I was like in tears afterwards. I was like, what? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. Like I've been reflecting on this and praying about this a little bit and just thinking like, it's amazing how when the duty of the moment forces itself upon you, you just do it. There's no, like, you, like, you know how, like we, when we, like when we're struggling with sin and stuff like that, our, we get into all these little head games and we play around with the thought and we juggle with it and we just, you know, blah 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 yeah but when like a serious moment that requires you to even maybe put your life on the line possibly i mean i'm not trying to make myself into a hero here because i i think the chances that there's anything there is very very low mm-hmm. you know but those thoughts cross you just go and you just do it and it's amazing how you just the second guessing just leaves you right away yeah 
and you start to get a little sense of inkling of people when they're in in these dangerous places like in war and stuff like that how how you just have to kind of make a decision you can either go forward or you can run away right and it yeah. was and hearing like that phone call was just like he goes you have no none of us could be there for him you were the last person he saw he was unconscious but you're the last person to see him right and our family's so grateful to know that in his last moments he wasn't quite alone and i'm like mm-hmm. okay okay yeah no it's wonderful yeah it's something about like the um how do i want to say it uh just how important uh duty is yeah like yeah there's this fear and there's maybe like a moment of internal hesitation but then you're like but i'm a priest and this is what a priest does Mm -hmm. and so you just do it Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a grace in that there's a mercy in that too Mm -hmm. um where you just this is what i am and this is what i do yep exactly so this is how you know it's not again it was uh this is what you're ordained for Mm -hmm. right yeah you know uh and because you never know like you know uh you can't like expect those calls. You don't know when they're going to happen. And sometimes random things happen. Like sometimes it's time for the Summa right now. Ah, woo, 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 woo. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. bad okay the summa theologica was saint thomas aquinas's summary of theology and the summa tweetologica is a summary of things we found interesting on twitter and first up this is from our good friend ed condon at canon lawyer and he tweets overheard in the house did you empty the dvd cabinet and fill it full of bourbon now i'm assuming that ed's lovely wife was the one who said this in the house is that is that a good guess you think father harris i think it's a very good guess now this shows you what a good doomsday prepper ed is he's much better at this than i am because i knew that the uh pa liquor stores oh just so if you're not in like pennsylvania we're still like under quasi prohibition that you can only buy liquor in state stores okay you can't buy it anywhere else and we heard a couple weeks ago that they're going to close down all the state stores. And I looked at what I had, and I was like, ah, I'll be fine. And like two weeks later, now I'm here, I'm like, dang it, I should have bought more bourbon. So kudos to you, Ed, for, for taking care of business. And people still use DVDs? <laughs> well, people still have a DVD cabinet. Like, what are you going to do, throw them away? I mean... I don't know. Like, not even Blu-ray? I mean, DVD is like shorthand for Blu-ray. No, they're totally different things. Okay, but I feel like some people just say DVD for like even Blu-ray. But even the Blu-ray cases are differently, you know, they got different dimensions than a DVD case. Okay. But like still, what are you going to do? Throw away your DVDs? I don't know. I'm just... Physical media. Just, you have to be like I'm just, just to throw it away. That seems very wasteful. I mean, at the same time, this is also super Ed. 
Very having something so. old that's pretty much obsolete and yet still using it. Hmm. Like the code of canon law. Hey oh Alright, uh, Harrison, what do you got for us? <laughs> all right. Um uh, I've got one from L. Wilkinson 09 at Luke at L. Wilkinson 09, Luke Wilkinson, prayers for all the priests having to do their own sacristy laundry. Folks, it's true. Oh yeah, because you have to still do that, don't you? I, I mean, I've been using less linens. I actually haven't really had to do it yet. But I mean, like, I'm like, look, like I have, I have a sweet parishioner who takes my album home every two or three weeks, and not just like she does an amazing, she does better than I could ever do with it. And now I'm just using it. And I'm like, I gotta wash this thing, which is fine. I've, I've washed it before. I can, I can wash my own clothes, um, and my own stuff, <laughs> my own sacristy stuff. I did used to go to <laughs> seminary. I had to do these things <laughs> exactly. Um, but. Uh, she just does a much better job than I could ever do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like how to do the crease lines properly on your corporals is because you want it to fold out properly. There is a technique. Absolutely. You don't mm-hmm. want the backside of the corporal to be what's going to show up on top because you want the the um, you want the fold lines to open up naturally so that if there are any crumbs from the Eucharist, which is the whole point, when you fold it back up, because if you put it the other side, then you have to lift it up right and then fold it up right. so it's like there there's there is a technique and there is a method to the madness of the fold and it's, right, and it's not as easy as it looks folks no i you know i realized this um uh so at the college that i'm a chaplain at the the students wanted to buy their own altar linens and so they did that because normally they were just using the parish ones i would bring the parish ones back and so i said okay this is how you take care of them okay this is how you deal with it this is how blah 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 but i didn't tell them how to like to fold it because i don't quite know how to fold um, purificators or whatever mm-hmm. but I know when they're folded incorrectly and I know when no starch has been used and I know when there's been no ironing at all and I was like oh it made me really thankful for all the work the parishioners do who take care of the altar linens Absolutely. it's a big deal it is a big deal now, now I don't know who the heck is taking care of our linens I'm just grateful it's still not me so that's where I'm at with this gotcha that's fair yeah no it's it's just it's an interesting time all right, um, let's, let's go back to Zoom meetings again. This is from Aunt Lizzie Grace at Bubbly Catholic, and she tweets, Professor told us to bring a snack for our first Zoom meeting. Everyone else ate fruit, veggies, and trail mix while I drank a Guinness because I know my worth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love it. I love Why it. Why not? Why not? Exactly. I mean, like, who's eating well these days anyways? Listen, listen, and this is another thing. I'm just going to throw this out here. You know, as long as you don't have a, a, a problem with alcohol, if you don't spend at least one of these quarantine days doing a little bit of day drinking, I feel like you're missing the whole point of so, this. So, well, here's my thing with day drinking. Okay. This is my one little thing about it. It's like What's I have a problem. With, I have no problem with it. The problem is alcohol makes me tired. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to feel tired at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But the thing is, you can just take a nap at three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you see, you underestimate my my ability to nap. I have no ability to nap. That's I'm just so gonna sad. be. I'm, I'm just gonna be tired the entire day. Mm-hmm. So, listen. I know like a lot of people are back to a work schedule, and some people can't do this. But you know, some people are kind of in between jobs right yeah. now. And maybe just take a day. Just just one day. Don't yeah. don't you know go crazy. It is still Lent. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just my yeah. My, my All opinion. right. Uh, this one is from. Cardinal Velki at I'm gonna totally butcher my German here, Archbishop Kuhn. Uh, I have no idea how to 
say that. I can I read a bit of German. I can't. I faked my way through German. I can't um, actually. Like four years ago. Erzbischof. 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 Köln. Right? Anyways. Uh, anyways, 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 anyways. I feel like you're about to say a swear. Stop it. Köln. Köln. Okay. Anyways. Köln. <laughs> he says this. That's an umlaut, or at least it should be with the O-E. I have decided to open our seminary for the homeless while our seminarians are gone due to corona restrictions. We want to offer warm meals and access to restrooms and showers to those who have nobody to turn to these days. Like, yeah, my goodness. Like, amazing. And there's pictures of him, like, serving meals to the people who are living in the seminary. Like, how beautiful and amazing and awesome is that i i was just like this is the response i mean obviously like listen it's a nice idea like we and i mean we might say hey why don't we all do this yes but like there's also logistics he probably has a team of people helping him look after the seminary to look after this right and security and all this stuff um but still like what a what a beautiful gesture because yeah there's a lot of people who like the poor the homeless uh those who have maybe who are couch surfing and stuff like that or who have no family there's a lot of people who can easily be neglected and who also need to stay inside and need, need places to go and what a beautiful thing that the seminary is doing this absolutely I, I i agree and it's one of those things yeah yeah there's probably a big organized effort in this and a lot of people um are there to thank but you know, it takes the bishop to be the bishop and decide what to do. And it's just kind of refreshing to get this really back to the basics. What should Christians be doing right now? Um, yeah, we should be taking care of the poor. We should yep. be helping those, especially now, exactly. um, who are always you know, vulnerable, but even more so now. So that's like, wow, it's amazing. Yeah, amen. Cool. Wow, that was a fast summa. It felt like a fast summa. It's, I just drank a, a coffee that had, um, so I ran out of coffee beans, which is very sad. Normally, producer Nick, he roasts his own coffee beans, and I take them from him. I take the coffee beans from producer Nick. And I've got my own burr grinder and espresso machine set up, and it's awesome. I'm very blessed. But because he's quarantined like an hour away from me, I'm not leaving my place for coffee beans. What I do have is my Keurig. Oh. I know, I know, but desperate times, right? We all have our crosses. Some people lose their jobs. I can't have the coffee I want. Who's to say who's suffering most? Okay, so, um, but the one, uh, the uh, K-cups I have are the Starbucks ones with like times two caffeine. So that's why I'm tripping over my words even more so than usual because I just have a big old thing of that. Let's do something a little different in this week's Presbyteral Exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. All right. Let's see. Where are we? I'm going to pull this up. While, while you're pulling it up. Yes. I'm just going to. I have a friend. I, I want, and she listens to the podcast. Congratulations. Po- she listens to the podcast, and uh-huh. um, I want you to say something and it hopes to encourage her. Okay. She, I'm not going to reveal details where it is or anything like this, but uh, their RCA program is telling them not to go to confession until it gets closer to their reception into the church because you shouldn't go to confession. You shouldn't go do your first confession until it's really close to doing your first Eucharist. Okay. Did they say why? Nope, that's that is the reason because you should do it really close to getting the Eucharist. Okay. 
Did they mention that you can go right now and then go again right before you receive? They're saying you should. Like you can you, go to confession no, no, more saying, than one time. They're saying that you shouldn't. You shouldn't until uh, you, that you should only go once before your first Eucharist. Okay, so this person is is in RCA right now, and this person wants to uh, you know be obedient and stuff, which is good. But I'm telling her, I, I'm I, I literally just said to her, here's here's a phone number of a priest I know in that area. Please call him. Yeah. So I will say this. First of all, um, this is actually a, a, a good thing overall because it's good to have your eyes wide open when you're stepping into the Catholic Church. So, yes, we have the fullness of the faith. We have the grace of the sacraments. We have thousands of years of tradition. We have various... Um, uh, rites and liturgies and all of this beauty and truth and closeness to God that you simply cannot find in other religions. You have all of that, but you also have crazy people who are more married to their program than they are to the reality of the sacraments. So I'm glad you see both of these things. So I would say, yeah, just go to confession. You know, yeah. uh, if 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 like in my diocese right now, it's kind of shut down, which is a whole other topic, but. Yeah, go ahead and go. And then uh, if you feel like you need to go before reception of communion, then go again. This yeah. is one of these and, and here's the thing. more than once. Yeah. This is the thing. I, they can't do anything about it because the seal, they can't say, you didn't go to confession here. Because if they did, that's a breaking of the seal. And so <laughs> there is no way for them to prove or disprove where, like, this is the other thing. You have, out of your own rights as a Catholic, the ability to choose who you go to confession to. Yeah. You don't have to go to the priest in that parish. It's no, not fine. No one can you, can make go, you, you can go anywhere you want. So please, dear friend, I know you know who you are when you hear this. Please take the phone number I sent you. And and anyone else, if 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 you're hearing about this in your programs, it's okay to go to another priest for confession now. Yeah. Don't put Especially off confessing now because sin. Confession don't put... might be difficult, more difficult to find. Like yeah. if it's available to you, go for if, it. I if it's available, it. obviously, if it's available to you, right? That's yeah. that's obviously the key. Sorry, mm -hmm. that was a little side thing. I okay. just I Another wanted to bring that thing up. Is because of the lockdown, I'm doing way more podcasting than usual, and I, I co-host on uh, my buddy uh, Taylor Schroll's podcast, Forte Catholic. It's great. He's producing a lot of content, but he's also recording the video of his podcast. So I see on my screen me recording with him while I'm recording with you, and my whole life is podcasts and people and little video box boxes. I'm going crazy. Okay. Let's talk about what yeah. we're going to talk about today in Presbyterian yes. Exhortations. You yes. Ready? <laughs> yes. I'm ready. I'm ready. Good. Okay. So um, when all this uh, isolation uh, started, you know, and people more and more uh, self-isolating or quarantining or social distancing, and people were having anxiety about this, and I totally get that, right? This is weird. This is different. It can cause some fear and anxiety. It made me think about our Christian tradition and most especially about uh, the Desert Fathers. Now, the Desert Fathers were these men, and, and there's also women in the, involved in this as well, so Desert Mothers and Fathers, who um, after the time of persecution, so after kind of the persecutions of Christians were over, there's a kind of uh, a lacking seemingly um, in the church because the idea of becoming a martyr, like that was the most excellent way to achieve holiness in the minds of a lot of Christians. You know, that's how you really were to give your life radically over to God. And martyrs were very much honored. But what do you do when it seems like martyrdom's not happening so much, you know? You're not going to be as persecuted. You can walk around and be a Christian and, and nobody cares. 
there's still a desire for a radically radically following Jesus Christ. So some men and women just like decide to run off into the desert. Now, why did they do this? It's because scripturally, the desert is a place of severe poverty for sure. You know, a, a place of testing, a uh, place of isolation, but most especially, it's always a place of closeness to God. In the Old Testament, when Israel is wandering through the desert, yes, it's difficult. Yes, they make a lot of mistakes in there, but the prophets uh, would look back at that time and see it as, in a special way, a time of closeness to God, where they had to rely entirely on God for food, for direction, for protection, in a way that they would not have to as much when they're in civilization. Jesus Christ, he goes out into the desert for 40 days. We're experiencing Lent right now. This is a time to set everything aside and to focus on God. So these men and women decide to do that in a quite literal way, and especially in the areas in Egypt, go out into the desert to pursue a life of holiness, very oftentimes isolated, but also in small groups, small communities. There might be a master and disciple relationship in these really small groups. Anything to add about that description, Father Harrison? Nope, nope, you're doing good. Good, okay. So I decided, like, hey, I've got some more time on my hands, at least I thought I did at the time. I'm going to start a podcast on the Desert Fathers. Did I mention this on our on our podcast yet? Yes, yes, you have. I did. Okay, okay. So this is just a big another big plug. And that's why I started doing this. Now, the sayings of the Desert Fathers, they're little sayings from the Desert Fathers, but also little stories about them. Yep. And some of them are really profound and make for good opportunities to dive into and, and pick apart and do a little teaching about. That's what I do on my podcast, the Desert Fathers podcast. Other of other sayings of the Desert Fathers are just crazy and a little bit weird and very shocking. Mm-hmm. So I figured, let's just read some and have Father Harrison riff on them and talk about them, right? <laughs> you're gonna, we you're can gonna, go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, too. I was gonna say you're gonna riff too, right? It doesn't. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Excellent, but excellent. like, you're. I've at least looked at these one time, and like I said, some are gonna be kind of profound, some kind of confusing, some maybe a little bit scandalous. But which let's book just, are you getting these from? Um, I, I'm getting these from the Desert Fathers. It's uh, the uh, the one that Penguin publishes. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's you know that's the one that I had already on my Kindle because um, there was a time in seminary. So where it's not, I was it's not like the Philokalia or anything like that. No, no. This is uh, Ward and Benedicta. It, it might not even be. Um, yeah. So I just, the, the the Penguin Classics edition. So it's um it's there's different editions of these. This one is organized in terms of content. Some are organized right. in terms of alphabetical order. This one's in content. Okay. Okay. Let's start off with a little story. Okay. Actually, a little saying from a hermit. A hermit said, "Ask God to give you inner grief of heart and humility. Always look at your own sins. Do not judge another's. Be the servant of all." Do not make friends with a woman, a boy, or a heretic. <laughs> Do not be self-confident. Control your tongue and appetite. Do not drink strong wine. If anyone speaks to you on a controversial matter, do not argue with him. If he speaks well, say, yes. If he speaks ill, say, I don't know anything about that. Don't argue with what he has said, and then your mind will be at peace. So this is like, this little snippet is like 
very quintessential desert fathers saying right yeah because it kind of starts off like oh okay yeah really good holy stuff and then don't be friends with a woman a boy or a heretic because those are all the same thing i guess i hold on a second okay before we even address the quote okay what are you reading this off of Oh, I'm reading this is this is deep irony. I am reading the Desert Father sayings off a Kindle. He and what did didn't he say do not talk with heretics? Yes. Well, that's been clerically speaking, folks. Thanks for listening. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we have gotten into big trouble for calling people who read off Kindle's heretics while they I was and it was joke. I'm it's a joke. It's a shtick, folks. I know, I it's know. a shtick. It's a shtick. Okay. All right. Uh yeah, the it's like, okay, this is nice. Wait, don't make friends with well, here's my first question is always, well, what does it mean by friendship? Yes, it's interesting. So because like, for example, example, just as a little aside, something, someone like Aristotle has very strict understandings of, of what friendship is. Is this monk trained in that tradition? And thus friendship is something deeply intimate and personal. And, and um, it's almost like it is, it's, um, it is real love in the sense of friendship love but it's a real love and a sharing of a life almost for aristotle mm -hmm. and that can only be done with very few people for right. aristotle so i'm like i'm already asking myself is this monk being trained and is he already kind of like because he's there most of them are greeks yes. and they've been exposed to philosophy so are they taking this from the aristotelian sense of friendship or what anyways uh, that's just a little thought that's going through my head when i hear that no yeah i think that's good because i struggle and with I think, that i struggle with that to yeah. an extent right like well it's like well i mean like well i get it well listen because the other thing is if you're if you're going to the desert you're going there for a particular purpose right you're going to the desert to be purified by god totally and completely you're trying to do essentially purgatory on earth right? yeah exactly um, is this this whole point and so when you're in a place of isolation and solitude it is it's not saying like I don't think he's saying friendship with women is bad for example mm -hmm. but I think what he's trying to get at is it would be very bad for you as you're trying to pursue perfection right I think you know to um, the desert fathers are kind of the start of monasticism mm -hmm. and the start of monastic communities and monastic communities have always seen the wisdom in having um groups of men being a community and groups of women being a community and those being separate not saying that interaction or friendship is 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 bad between men and women but there is something about the pursuits of god in this radical way in a celebrate way where if you're gonna be living in community like that there's some sort of wisdom there and we can right. spend the whole podcast talking about this right. dynamic but i think right. you you see the seeds of that in the desert fathers as right. far as like don't be friends with a, a, a boy or a heretic. The connection I draw in that is that um, you can't enter the same level of spiritual discourse with someone who's not ready for it yet. Exactly. So it's the idea of um, entering into friendship with those who are your equals. And right? also recognize he's saying don't be friends with. He's not saying don't talk to. Right. Because the point charity would always want to, for example, bring a heretic back to repentance. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, he's so like, it's always important to understand that what they're not saying as well. And if, if our attempts at uh, explaining these things, you don't buy them. Well, it's okay because not every saying from the desert father is like gold stamped by the church. Right. Right. Exactly. So 
Uh, but but there's stuff like in this. Um, if anyone speaks to you on a controversial matter, do not argue with him. If he speaks well, say yes. If he speaks ill, say I don't know anything about that. Okay. And I just love this extreme example. Yeah. Because a lot of, this will happen in Desert Fathers. They give you extreme examples, but it helps temper like your ordinary experience in life. Yeah. Like how often if someone's talking about something controversial, we want to get in there and we want to give our own opinions and we're very prideful about our opinions and then sometimes that leads into gossip or saying ill about other people. I don't know and, anything about that. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Or if he's speaking well about something, you say yes. Well, you you mortify your own speech well, sorry, and your own what, pride. What was it he said about if there's if there's like what is it not if they're speaking well, but what was the other part again? If they okay. if he speaks ill, say yeah. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying that you're speaking ill. That's why I said I, okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is how I'm gonna go on Twitter from now. I'm just, I'm I'm gonna either say yes or yes. I don't know. And those are my <laughs> only two responses that. now on Twitter forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, and, right. but it's also about like the whole point is like your opinion actually doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Let that sit for a little bit. Your opinion doesn't actually matter. And here we are giving our opinions about things. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter, actually. <laughs> I'm okay with this. My opinion, if one person mm-hmm. listens to this podcast, that's okay. My opinion doesn't matter. All right. Let's uh, do a story from uh, Arsenius. Okay. And he's an interesting character. So I only know about Arsenius through these different sayings. So I'll share a story after, after we read this one. But once Arsenius came to a place where there was a bed of reeds shaken by the wind... He said to the brothers, What is this rustling noise? They said, It is the reeds. He said to them, If a man sits in silence and hears the voice of a bird, he does not have quiet in his heart. How much more difficult is it for you who hear the sound of the reeds? (laughs) So, like, people are super into, like, different, like, Eastern spirituality and religion and, like, these weird esoteric sayings. And I'm like, guys... We got our own right here, right? And I, that's where I, I struggle with these a little bit sometimes. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like a little too Eastern. Yeah, but they're also Eastern. I mean, oh, they're you know what I mean. Egypt. Like, <laughs> far East. Right, right, right. Um, but, okay, I do think there's something important being, being said here. Right. Um, like I said, you take these as extreme examples that you can use to temper other things. Um, and it's just about like the importance of silence and of not being distracted in prayer okay yeah but the thing is arsenius i've read some of his sayings he's kind of like one of the jerks of the desert fathers i'm not gonna lie like saint anthony i'm not just saying that because he's one of my namesakes he seems like much more reasonable arsenius seems much more like a jerk there's a story about a bishop who wanted to meet with arsenius and so the bishop meets with them and says, Arsenius, tell me what I should do. And this is a very common theme in the Desert Fathers. You go out to meet a, a Desert Father and ask him, like, what should I do, you know, to be a good Christian? And Arsenius says, if I tell you what to do, will you do it? And the bishop says, yes. And so Arsenius says, wherever you hear that Arsenius is, don't go there. And then he walks away. And like that's a saying of his father. He's just like saying, "I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> like go away." And so like Arsenius, kind of a jerk in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure he's very holy. Yeah, and I think like I agree though. Like I think what what he's trying, 
the Desert Fathers often will use these extreme examples to bring up across the sense of like of the truth, which is that you need silence to hear God. And if mm-hmm. you're in prayer and you're paying attention to the sound of a bird more than the sound of God's voice in the silence, then you're mm-hmm. not listening to God, right? This is the whole point. You're not listening yeah. to God. And you need, so, and I think the reason we, we find that difficult in a way too, is because probably actually most of, most of us don't actually listen to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and this is something we hear very often in our, uh, in our ministry, people say like, I'm so distracted. I'm so distracted. I'm so distracted in prayer. Now we have to differentiate this a little bit. Sometimes our brains are a little bit crazy and we just think of things that aren't prayer and that happens. That's not necessarily a sin, but we need to ask ourselves, have I prepared for my time of prayer? Right. Um, it's very helpful to like make your time of prayer. If you can make it consistent at whatever time of day it's going to be mm-hmm. because then your your mind and even your body will get in a rhythm where it's like oh it's almost time for prayer and you begin to focus more and more on that even before you go into prayer yeah so like have we done that is our distraction in prayer willing because very often if we're really concerned about something or really anxious about something there'll be a part of our heart that doesn't want to give it to god because i don't want to talk about the sad things with god i don't want to talk about the things that make me anxious with god i'd much rather distract myself mm-hmm. you know and so sometimes that's what's going on it's like no you need to enter into your hearts in the science of that and give to god those things that are, are difficult to enter into and that's the deeper part of this this spirituality mm-hmm. of silence that the desert fathers talk about yeah i um I think I shared this last week or not, but anyways, my, my, my prayer life has been like super consistent in a way. It's like my prayer life's never been better, but mm-hmm. it's been super dry. And there are times I'm just like squirming <laughs> in my chair. I'm like, I want to get out of here. And for no good reason, like for no real good reason, I'm not going to do anything more productive than to be there in front of the Blessed Sacrament at that time. Right. Like, but that's actually like, that's the other thing. Your distraction often reveals an attachment of your heart. So like the lack of silence actually reveals something that needs to be worked on in order to grow closer to God. Like, so if you're paying attention to the reads, then that's telling you something about where your heart's at. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting anxious and antsy in prayer, that tells me something about where my heart's at. And it's going to suck. It's not going to be fun. And you're probably going to go for, through that for weeks and weeks and weeks. But, but, but God, God's actually using that to purify you so they, exactly. so they can hear him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, here's a story. And this one's, this one's really nice. I like this one a lot. <clears throat> this story was told. There were three monks, serious men, or there were three friends, serious men who became monks. One of them chose to make peace between men who were at odds, as it is written, blessed are the peacemakers. The second chose to visit the sick. The third chose to go away to be quiet in solitude. Now the first, toiling among the contentious, was not able to settle all the quarrels, and overcome with weariness, he went to him who tended the sick, and found him also failing in spirit and and unable to carry out his purpose. So the two went away to see him who had withdrawn into the desert, and they told him their troubles. They asked him to tell them how he himself had fared. He was silent for a while and then poured water into a vessel and said, look at the water. And it was murky. After a little while, he said again, see now how clear the water has become. As they looked into the water, they saw their own faces as in a mirror. Then he said to them, 
so it is with anyone who lives in a crowd. Because of the turbulence, he does not see his own sins. But when he has become quiet, above all in solitude, then he recognizes his own faults. Hmm. Hmm. I really like this story because this is, this is mm-hmm. actually one of those like you can draw a lot. It's it's kind of like a, a, a parable. So two guys go into activity and one goes into silence, right? The two who go into activity, they're super worn out by trying to make peace among people, by trying to tend to the sick. And when they ask how the one who's gone to silence has fared, he points out to them that if you're always in activity, you're not going to see your own sinfulness. Why were you being... And so, like, the thing that's unsaid but is implied here is, like, why were you failing in your activity? Why were you failing to do good things like tend to the sick Mm -hmm. or make peace among people who are fighting? You failed because of your sinfulness Mm -hmm. and you didn't see your sinfulness because you were too busy in activity. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I... Actually, I have nothing else to add because I think... Yeah, sorry. I like that one so much. I had no, that's thoughts fine. fully that's fine. formed in that. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I have nothing else to add. I think you explained it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can you can see. So, like, this is another, like, really quintessential Desert Father thing. You've got a little bit of, like, the kind of mysticism thing with the yeah. water, and there's, like, dust yeah. in the water, and then it settles. Well, they love... But you have the story, and... They love using concrete objects to make a point, like... Because like, and this is the thing, like we can see them as very spiritual people, but they're actually very embodied as well. They understand the importance of a symbol, a sign, an object to communicate a lesson. Um, They're very concrete that way. And they understand the power of that to communicate a truth to the person. And not just that, again, like the other thing is, again, when we're hearing them, be very careful to listen to what's being said, what's not being said. We're so quick to judge and we just think, it's a judgment against the activity and it's never is it's not saying this this no desert father would say tending to the sick is a bad thing right right as you said like it's but it's got to come out of the stillness and this quietness and so you have to make quietness and silence a priority in your life to listen to god Mm -hmm. and so they're not judging this the thing they're saying but it's not right often they're saying things aren't rightly ordered exactly and there's something like that wisdom of the understanding concrete images that comes from their lived experience because they're out there in the desert without like books without distractions just like looking at stuff a lot of times the activity they would do would be they would sew baskets with reeds yeah and that's how they would sustain themselves they would trade baskets for food um uh, or people would drop off food for them from from the town but they would do this very tedious work over and over and over and over again so they they took time to like just experience the world as it was Mm -hmm. and so yeah when they see water and dust mixed together your mind starts meditating on how that could be symbolic of something so you just you just your eyes open up and this will happen if you ever go on a silent retreat for like more than three days. I think you need more than three days. If you ever Mm -hmm. are blessed enough to go on at least a week of silent retreat, the world starts speaking to you in much crisper and more profound ways. When you can't speak, when you're not allowed to read anything but scripture, like 
it speaks to you and so you can see where they got their wisdom from you know uh, if you're just as a little aside if, if this stuff is like you're like huh this might have something to say to me a person to read who's a contemporary but who very much lives out of the desert tradition is Catherine Doherty founder of Madonna House she has a great little book called Pustinia which talks about like going on these desert days where you go into a cabin and you bring nothing but a bible and bread and water for 24 hours and that's all you do is you just pray and fast for 24 hours and uh it quickly reveals your heart to you so if you're ever interested in stuff she's a good contemporary person and her book pustinia i think can give you some practical tips on how to live this experience okay so that's a story that we just talked about that I love. I think it really encapsulates the wisdom of the Desert Fathers. And now we're going to talk about one that's super crazy. I wouldn't want people to take to heart. And it's from that jerk Arsenius again. Okay. Arsenius said. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, Arsenius. Sorry. Was it? Arsenius, not Arsenial. Arsenius? Yeah, not Arsenial Hall. No. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Bad joke. I'm too young for that. You're apparently too young. Apparently you're too young. (laughs) Never mind. Sorry. Continue. Arsenius said, (laughs) one hour's sleep is enough for a monk if he is a fighter. I hate this saying. I remember coming across it in seminary feeling very tired one day and being like, this is bad. This is like like all of the scrupulous like things. Like, like if you read this and take this to heart, this will make you a crazy person. So this is why like you have to be a little bit discerning in some of the sayings of the right. Desert Fathers. And not just that, like there are some people who can function with very little sleep. Like appara- apparently Cardinal Ravassi, he is the prefect of like culture or something like that in Rome. Uh, he takes care of a lot of like culture, inter- intercultural dialogue and, and stuff like this. And um, apparently he, he gets about two and a half hours sleep every night. And he'll take a half hour nap in the middle of the day and that's it. He must be a fighter. He must be a fighter. Enough for him. Well, apparently not though. <laughs> Because he still gets three hours of sleep. That's true. If he was a fighter, he would only need one hour exactly. of sleep. But I, I, I hear about these people and I'm like, I hate you so much. Because, not because of what you're doing, but because I want that. I would love, right. I think everyone jealousy. would love to say, hey, I would love to be able to say, I can live off one hour. No problem. No problem. Mm-hmm. But yes, I um, don't listen to that saying, folks. Yes. Okay. So here's another weird one, but one that I like. Okay. Not one that I suggest people imitate, but one that I think is awesome. Okay. They said of Agatho that for three years he kept a stone in his mouth in order to teach himself a silence. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole saying. That this dude, in order to keep himself from speaking, just kept a stone in his mouth the entire time for three years. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> uh but this is something that comes up time and time again in, in the sayings of the Desert Fathers. Like this, and you see it in the Church Fathers too. You see it like a lot in the ancient wisdom of the Christians. Like how important silence is. Mm-hmm. That like your it's speech is where we so often trip ourselves up through pride, through gossiping about others, through not focusing on your interior life. You just say whatever you want to say and you never focus on what's interior. So like these monks went to extremes to stay silent. But that's something we still see in the, in the tradition today, right? With Carthusians and other religious orders where they stay silent throughout the day. Exactly. And, and I think I want to say that if you're feeling challenged by the constant examples to silence, 
that's probably the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. Because so we, 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 we need silence, right? Mm -hmm. If you do not have silence structured into your day, you're not going to be able to hear God. I'm going to do another one on silence because this is great. Good. Marcarius the Great said to his brothers in the desert after a service in church, flee, my brothers. One of the brothers said to him, Abba, where can we flee when we are already in the desert? He put his finger upon his lips and said, I tell you, you must flee this. Then he went into his cell, shut the door and remained alone. <laughs> I love it. It's so intense. <laughs> Uh, yes, it is. It is. It's like, and sometimes I, and I don't know, I'd have to read up on this a bit. Mm -hmm. How, how much is this coming out of the Christian spirit? Mm, and how much yeah. of this is coming out of, um, stoicism? Yeah. Or other inf cultural influences on, upon the fathers, you oh, know, how much, sure, you know, yeah. like how much is this, uh, how much is this really kind of flowing out of out of the like like someone like saint anthony for example is different because like his whole decisions of life were based on scripture right right and his encounter with scripture and he would read the scriptures all the time he, it was known that he memorized a good chunk of the new testament and um but like a lot of these guys sometimes the way they talk about things you just like okay but where's there's that little part of me that kind of keeps on asking that question how is jesus the center of all this mm-hmm it's just a question. I have no answer to it. It's just a question that kind of rises in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you you see a, a, a mixing of what's going on in the culture or what's understood as mysticism and Christianity. And you see the church through the Desert Fathers kind of discerning this and seeing what's stick. Because some of the you'll read some of these stories and some of these sayings, and you're like, yeah, the church really stuck with that. Yeah. And you'll see other ones where you're like, um, for example, this one, they said of Sarah... So there are desert uh, mothers as well. They said of Sarah, of blessed memory, that for 60 years she lived on the bank of a river and never looked at the water. Now, I'm sure if you focus enough, I can pull something spiritual out of that. But that also seems weird. Why record that? I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so you'll see things that are like really beautiful uh, gems that are deep, that can really help you enter yeah. more deeply into the spiritual life. And other stuff you'll see that's crazy. That's why... I made a podcast where I can talk about these things and teach them and pull out the good ones and ignore some of the crazier ones. Right. And it's called the Desert Fathers Podcast. So why, what, what got you interested in the Desert Fathers? I don't know how I first stumbled upon them, but I stumbled upon them somehow. And just reading the sayings of them, I was like, this is so weird. This is like this, something's like this they're so intense and their sayings are so crazy and there's these little stories and the images of the stories like that one with the water and the sand like just stuck into my brain right there's something very kind of like punchy about them. right right and i liked that so it was, it was just kind of like i like whatever this genre is of right. christian spirituality gotcha and then going back to it saying like hey you can grow in holiness while being isolated you can grow in holiness while being alone. In fact, there's some really important things about being alone in the Christian spiritual life. There's some really important things about taking time for fasting and isolation. And I think so often 
we get a little bit too worried about disciplining ourselves because we're so afraid of scruples. And that's that's reasonable. But we also have to take time to realize, yeah, discipline and self-mastery, that is a part of the Christian spiritual life. Um, we have to do that with the right understanding and right order and remembering that mm-hmm. everything comes from God's grace. But this seems like a, 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 a strong counterweight to a lot of modernity. Maybe that's why I like it so much right now. Like, yeah, by itself, it's too heavy. But sometimes you need, like, strong examples and heavy counterweights to balance things out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I'll share, as we're kind of concluding here, um, uh, I I still remember one of the most memorable homilies I've ever heard was from Cardinal Collins, uh, then just Archbishop Collins. I went uh, prior to the Eucharistic Congress in Quebec City, I went to, they're inviting you, they had like some youth delegates go from all across Canada, Quebec City the year before to help pump up and get ready for the Eucharistic Congress. So I was chosen for my diocese to go. So I go there and Cardinal Collins is um, preaching at a shrine in Quebec and he starts off with this story and I forget which Desert Father it was. Um, But this monk goes up to this elder and he goes up to him and he says, what must I do to become perfect? Mm-hmm. And he goes, it's all sorts. He gives him the list, you know, silence. Um, you must reduce all desire for sin. Like, yeah, you know, just uh, you got to fast and this, you know, the whole list of things. He, go, he goes away, comes back. And the, the monk comes back and says, like, I'm, I've done all those things, but I don't feel like I've reached perfection. And then the monk puts out his hands extends his fingers and flames flow from his hands. And he says, my dear son, you must become fire. And then Cardinal Collins goes off this about how the church is meant to kind of extend the flame of faith throughout the whole world, right? But that image of that story, and I know I'm not recounting it perfectly, it's always stuck with me that we must become fire, right? And, Mm -hmm. And it's been a beautiful thing. So the Desert Fathers have a lot of good things to teach us. They really do. Um maybe i'll do one final one and this is one that i'm actually so all the ones i read are ones i i haven't and probably won't be going over in uh my podcast right. because i didn't want to like repeat content but this last one i'll read because i found it really nice because if you're reading some of the desert fathers and freaking out about like oh no like all these things i have to do but this one is from saint anthony uh okay A brother asked a hermit, Tell me something good, that I may do it and live by it. The hermit said, God alone knows what is good, but I have heard that one but I have heard that one of the hermits asked the great Nesteros, who was a friend of Antony, What good works shall I do? And he replied, Surely all works please God equally. Scripture says, Abraham was hospitable, and God was with him. Elijah loved quiet, and God was with him. David was humble, and God was with him. So whatever you do, so whatever you find you are drawn, to, so whatever you find you are drawn to in following God's will, do it and let your heart be at peace. Sine glossa. Nothing Isn't needs to be. Nothing needs to be said there. Exactly. Just let's end with some peace. Mm. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at 
So you can find me reading the Desert Fathers on my podcast. Yay! You can find me at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless.